You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael from Arizona, and with me always are my good friends, Jay from the hills of Texas. And Mike is not with us tonight. You no, know, he's not with us tonight. Actually, we're doing a special, uh, you know, 4th of July deal. He's uh, off partying, I think. And uh, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you'll uh, you'll understand why. But uh, it's just Jay and I tonight. But before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Three D Aerovictures, adding fun to the RC hobby, one layer at a time. Feeling weak and powerless? Sounds to me like you need A-Power batteries. When someone needs the best, they always choose the A-Team. A-Power batteries. Get on the web and get yours today. And welcome back to the Park Fire Podcast, uh, the special 4th of July issue. For all the those guys out there, I uh, hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. And, boom, uh, bang, 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 boom. Exactly. <laughs> we did. And if you're watching, once again, I mentioned before the uh, the break there, but uh, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, make sure you go over there and subscribe. You'll see that we have a big surprise. Yes, you're sitting next to me. I am sitting next to you. <laughs> so uh, I am on my way to Dallas. Uh, I have a trip, and uh, I decided since it was the holiday, uh, a friend of ours from college, uh, his name is Tom. He um, he he decided to come in on the Fourth uh, of July, and I haven't seen Tom in about a year. So uh, on my way to Dallas, I was like, "Hey, I'll slip in there, and uh, you know, just kind of catch the two of them." So uh, I kind of surprised everybody and uh, dropped he, in. That he Dallas. did. Hey, I'm at the airport. Pick me up. <laughs> They're out running around, and I was like, "Hey, uh, you guys in Austin?" They're like, "Yep." I said, "Good, come get me." So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's been a great uh, just call visit. me Uber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost did, almost called an Uber. Well, you uh, did. The two of us came out there and got you. Oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah that's true. So uh, yeah, when uh, I showed up, and uh, it was kind of late in the evening, but then yeah. uh, the next day uh, we got a hold of uh, Jim, and we went out to the field and flew. We did. Had a good time uh, too. Yeah, it was a good time. So, uh, Jim actually brought, uh, I have to apologize. He, uh, he was happy to see us, but he said we threw him under the bus on our last podcast. What? So (laughs) we don't mean to throw anybody under the bus. That is not our intent. Just under the front tires. Yes. We just want you to have a good time. Roll over them slowly. (laughs) We hope that you're out there having a good time. And, uh, we do apologize to anybody that may have, uh, thrown under the bus unintentionally, but we are a pretty good sports and we like to rib each other. So, uh, and Jim was, uh, a, you mean a good fireball, sport. Jim, fireball, Jim. Yeah. That's, that's his new nickname now. Fireball. Oh, Mr. Wow. Gasoline. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Fire the, yeah. Once again, he said we threw him under the bus and that was good that's all it. over the gas. That's true. And he did. And you know what? I think this time he roped us into that because he had us flying gas too this week. He sure did. <laughs> and we'll get to that later, but, uh, he actually wound up coming out to the, to the field with a new airplane. He did. He had a new E-Flight. Not just any airplane, an EDF, which is outside his comfort zone. That's true. 
so. but he is flying the Panther. I think you guys he, talked. He about is. That We've time. flown it a couple of times, and then we had a little so. mishap uh, a couple of weeks ago. But that's true. And uh, but anyway, he was all excited uh, that uh, I was in town, so I got to maiden the thing. You did that. That uh, you got to christen his plane. <laughs> And, and person it, I and, did. And, and yes, you did. It was definitely <laughs> special. Thank goodness Jim is a master at repairs. Yes. <laughs> All right. So just to let you guys know, because this was one of those things that we did not intend to happen, but, um, you know, he brought it in. He was excited to see us both. And, uh, you know, we kind of took a good look at the E-Flight A-10. Uh, I know it's been out uh, a little while, but uh, it was my first look at the, because uh, I have the Motion RC A-10, the very large one. And uh, he was excited that, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, you have the big one. This is the smaller version. And uh, tell me the differences. So we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, <clears throat> what he had read and how to fly it. Uh, it's only his second EDF. And we talked about the fact that he's got two motors instead of mm-hmm. one. And, uh, you know, that it's not that drastic if you lose a motor. I've actually lost one of mine. And uh, the battery kind of went dead because I use two batteries for one for each motor. And this one only uses a 4,000, I think, right? 4,006 yeah. yeah. And uh, so it runs both motors. So it, even if you lost one, if something, the e, is ESC, you know, burned up on one or, or the motor quit, uh, it doesn't really make that big of a deal because it's kind of a centerline thrust. So that being said, he, uh, you know, we kind of checked all of our, you know, control services and we did find a little variance. In we the, did. Well, don't forget this had a ASX3 in it, right? So it, it had a gyro yes. in it, the, mm-hmm. the Spectrum gyro. And not to say we're experts on that particular gyro, mm-hmm. so it, there was a little bit of figuring out of this and that, and getting it to work with his uh, uh, radio. That's true, because um, he uses a Fataba, right? With with a uh, uh, not a transmitter, but uh, with a, one of those modules that he oh, can yeah, switch yeah. between the, the, the different frequencies and stuff. Right. So that's kind of cool. The DSMX, but, module, <clears> but uh, the big thing with that uh, with that particular gyro is depending on what mode it's in it makes the control surfaces act differently. And that was throwing us off because, you know, he thought he had leveled everything and then we'd have it in a mode and, and therefore all of a sudden the flaps would start moving. Uh, right. Yeah. There's and, two modes. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and we thought there might've been, you know, not enough trim or trimming issue or mixing problem, but it was just the gyro doing what it was supposed to do. And that, that was the hardest part to kind of figure out. Yeah, so, sure so the ASX3 uh, that he had in there, it wasn't just the ASX3. It's actually the whole receiver. And the receiver uh, that comes in the airplane ready to go, you just, it's a bind and fly. And that particular receiver is uh, got an ASX3 gyro and a safe mode. Right. And so the safe mode is basically a recovery. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of, background you know for the podcast here but the, but that's really what it's for is this little recovery thing if you get into trouble you should be able to hit the safe mode button and the airplane should ride itself and do all that but the problem that we were having control services were moving and i did not realize that we had it in the safe mode so it wasn't doing quite what i wanted it to do but uh when you rolled the airplane left and right you picked it up it would it would do full deflection but when i went to go move the sticks nothing happened right so then uh, we flipped it upside down and noticed that the ailerons were totally, you know, full deflection. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because I have no control. And we finally figured out on his radio that we could turn it on and turn it off. Uh, he had it attached to a switch. Yeah. Which I, I think is not 
quite the correct thing, and we'll probably correct that. Uh, well, you know, it, it, luckily, you, when you flipped it, well, we'll talk about that a little just in a second, but I know that it definitely needs to be on a mom- momentary button because right. if you flip right. it on a switch and right. forget about it, next thing you're flying into the next county. Yeah, the, yeah, it won't. Uh, the gyro does what it does. and it, Well, the safe mode. The safe mode, is, that yeah. particular safe mode, will keep right. you flying straight and level until the battery runs out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it does what it does a really good job. But uh, so anyway, uh, the only thing I think on this airplane uh, that we had to readjust was the ailerons. I think one of the ailerons was just slightly off, and um, yeah, but it, it was it was weirding it was, so, you, it was weirding us out because the all of a sudden the flaps started working as ailerons. Remember that? Yeah, but that was because the the safe mode mode was on. was on. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right, right, it was right. just one of those things like, that was the control services. Is it supposed to be doing that? Is, is yeah, that, that did in there? for a little bit. And then, yeah. you know, but it figured out and it's doing just what it was supposed to do. Right. So. Yeah, it was. So, uh, so anyway, we, uh, you know, kind of talked to Jim. I asked uh, if he wanted a buddy box up, but he was like, nah, you just take it up and trim it out and then we'll, we'll do that next time around. And I was like, yeah, sure. Well, the one thing I noticed on this one is that, uh, the motion has trailing link gear. So, and they're real soft. Yes. So, so you can take it off on grass. You know, these guys are flying at a grass field, mm-hmm. the grass here. You just cut the grass. Just cut it. But it, it still is a little clumpy, I think, because mm-hmm. you know, it's just Texas grass. Weeds, uh, you mean. <laughs> Texas grass. weeds, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it's grass. And then, uh, you know, I didn't think I would need very much. And I, it was the maiden flight. So, you know, of course, I didn't want to just pull the thing off the ground right away and get a, you know, stall it or anything. So I'm trying to be real careful and I added power and the thing started rolling pretty good, but the nose bounced once, twice. And the third time it bounced, it caught something. And it hopped it. That front nose did a wheelie. Yeah, it came up. And when I went to go rotate, the nose dropped back down and caught something and just sheared the nose gear right off. Right off. <laughs> Pink. And it happened really quick. I, I don't, it wasn't anything that I was doing. I didn't want to haul back on the stick and just pull that thing right in the air. Uh, I figured it would, you know, because your L39 does that too. It kind of bounces, bounces, and then it'll get airborne. And I figured, oh, it bounced, it bounced again, and then that's when the nose gear came off. But I had plenty of speed, so I just went ahead and lifted off. Yeah, I wasn't sure because Jim had read that the the nose wheel, you know, can rip out of the body. That's kind of what I thought it did. It, that's you know, what I it thought. It was a Monday did. or Friday plane, and the guy didn't put enough glue in there. Right. And I was like, well it looks like a clean break, but the luckily for you, it, when it broke off, it was on an upswing of the hop. Yeah. So it bounced into the air and actually got airborne. Correct. So, you know, it kind of, it kind of worked out. Yeah. It did ding the nose a little bit because the, yeah. the gun, it caught the gun and I think it rink, I think it tore, wrench, it did wrench it down. It tore the nose because the gun was facing down, right. but Regardless, we got it back in the air, and everybody ran over there and collected the gear. And in the meantime, I was trimming it all out. But I was surprised it didn't take a whole lot of trim. And uh, about half throttle, this thing was scooting along. I, I was yeah. really impressed, uh, you know, having flown mine. I was really impressed with this one. I took off with half flaps, uh, and, uh, you know, it's still moving out. So uh, I trimmed it all out, and uh, we had it on a high rate. He had high rates and low rates, and the high rates were – really high like they they were almost full deflection which in my eyes was a little too aggressive for that particular airplane and then he had uh 50 of that so i flew it on high rates for a second or two just to kind of trim it out and then i moved over to the low rates and once i got to the low rates it it smoothed out 
it felt so much, you know, more refined. It rolled at a controlled rate, more more scale, I guess, is what right. I was looking for. And uh, so anyway, I flew it around for what good three minutes, I guess. Three or four minutes, yeah. It, and, it, well, I mean, uh, at half throttle, even. you weren't you weren't overstressing it. It was no. just, it was just, and but that was the like you said, the thing that was really amazing at half half throttle. It was really buzzing around. It had great sound to it mm-hmm. when it flew by. Yeah. Um, and even when you came down and we measured, I think I think it was at still three point eight or it was, it was higher. Yep. Three, it was 3. almost three point eight two. Yeah, it was, well. yeah. So I thought that was pretty amazing for as long as you had it up. Cause I think you flew a little bit longer than, than three minutes. I, think. I may have, cause I, uh, I trimmed it out and then we were worried about coming into land and right. I was trying to get it slowed down. And, and, and it was, was one of those things we didn't, we flaps. didn't have the uh, timer set up in Jim's radio. No, we didn't. And Jim had, had put it on his phone, but just between the, the little mix up in the beginning with, with the, uh, with the hop and the excitement of all that. And then by the time Jim started his, yeah, I don't know his if he phone, started. I don't know if he started right, it or if he started late. late but right. So was it wasn't like, exactly three minutes or at that point that he had his phone. So all I remember him saying is the time doesn't count. <laughs> I was like, oh great. Yeah. So, but as I, it turned out, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was at three point two, and you no, had one more no. pass, and that was it. So no. you had plenty of battery left in that. It, it wasn't even straining. That, yeah. That, that, that was pretty cool. So I, I did notice it was, uh, you know, it is a little speedy little airplane. I, I mm-hmm. Jim said, I think uh, it's advertised at well over a hundred miles an hour, at least up to that, which oh, was okay. pretty surprising. Um, and it seems to, you know, downwind, it was really moving. So, uh, but it turns and burns just like the best of them. Uh, you know, I did a couple aerobatic maneuvers and then uh, went ahead and dropped the gear and flaps to see how slow I could get it. It's got really good slow flight characteristics, and uh, I kind of brought it in and and just touched down. And when it touched down, it kind of the the only thing you didn't do was you didn't take it up and stall it to see what the stall oh yeah was I like. did yeah Wait, I did, did you mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, it was real quick. Uh, cause I'm familiar with mine. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to see how slow I could get it. And it, uh, it just kind of wallered. Well, that's right. I keep forgetting it has yeah. the gyro in it. Yeah. So it just kind of, it, it didn't even really walk too much. It just kind of went ring, ring, and then it just kind of started mushing. But I did notice that it's, you know, it's a floater. I mean, that one floated even with the full flaps. And I, I originally thought the flaps, the full flaps were too aggressive. Oh yeah. Cause they hung, they hung all the way like barn doors, doors like right. you know, full deflection. But when I came in to land, I was glad because, you know, it got me slow enough and did, it did got the nose Did you use full flaps on I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and that's, uh, if you remember the first time I came around, I did that low pass. It's because I really didn't feel like I was slow enough and I was only at half flaps then. Oh, so okay, I was like, right, you know what? Because right. I did a real low pass and then yeah. I was like, okay, screw that. And I went around because I just was not slow enough. It really still felt like it had a lot of momentum. And I didn't want to skip off the ground or come in and hit. I wanted it to plant and be firm on the ground because I was worried about, you know, cartwheeling it or tearing it right. up if the nose dropped. Well, so the second I got back up, and that's when I put the full flaps down, and I slowed it way down, and I just pulled the power all the way off and pitched the nose up. And that's when it kind of just started sinking, and then I added power and then just kind of came around. So the second time I came for that second approach and – um Touched down, it rolled about uh, five feet, and the nose came to a stop. And the gun, like I said, was hanging at about a forty-five degree. So we know that it had torn the top part of when the nose gear came off. It had done some damage. Right. To and, the, and you made sure that was nice. It was nice and sheared off. Yeah, it was that. clean. It was clean break after that. And then the uh, only other thing that happened, uh, he was talking about wanting me to bring it in uh, on its With belly. The, right, the gear up. 
but I there was too much stuff hanging, hanging off, the off the bottom. He didn't have any of the ordnance. It's just there's no, other, just that other that pieces and parts and that are kind of hanging off. And the wheels kind of do hang out. I didn't want to ruin those, and I knew it would scratch up the bottom, so I figured I'd sacrifice the a little bit of the nose for yeah. that because it, it wasn't bad at all. I think I think I have a picture of it that I'll I'll put in here. Yeah. Uh, of of the aftermath, but so really, unfortunately he didn't get to fly it. Yeah, that did kind of suck, right? So he was all, uh, he was all pretty good. excited to you know get his hands on the sticks and you know. We <laughs> and I was excited for him because I was like, hey, this is great. You know? Now a little bit of a, I guess a, a precursor of the story, I guess. So Jim, like I said, Jim had done a lot of research on the good, the bad, the ugly of the mm-hmm. airplane. So he was fully prepared when it came to this particular plane as the the parts that might need to be modified parts yep, that yep. were going to break parts that every other people were having problems with. So one of the things that he said to me was before we started was that the landing gear on this particular plane was a little weak or the nose wheel had problems. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when the, when the uh, pin had broken, you know, or the nose wheel had broken, I'd ran up and I looked at it and I looked inside and normally on landing gear like that, they have like a little pin that mm-hmm. go to the strut and they they go with an Allen screw or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a shear pin. The shear pin. And so uh, it had sheared, but when I looked at it, it looked like it was plastic, like hard plastic. It and did I, look plastic. And I, and I looked at that and I was like, what the heck? They, why would they put a plastic pin <laughs> right. in this plane? Because, right. you know, I could have sworn I read that this thing you fly off of grass fields. Yes. So um, later on, um, I just before we started the podcast, I had a chance to talk to Jim. And now the good news is we're going to go flying with him tomorrow, not tomorrow, the day after. But um, he has repaired the plane, of course. And he unfortunately had to manufacture his own fix for it. Yep. So did. we haven't seen it yet. And we'll probably report about it more on it later. But basically he, he, he had to, I don't know, mill or make or – by hook or by crook or whatever he mm-hmm. did, but he uh, fashioned a new a new shear pin, right? Um, and he said that the one that was in there was metal and it it did shear or break, um, but uh, he thinks that the replacement will be much better. Now the part that I didn't like about the gear, it's just straight, you know, the strut inside the strut mm-hmm. type that are on most older style. Yeah, it's a straight strut. It's not you know link. EDFs. Yep, for flying off of gra- uh, uh, pavement. Uh, pavement fields, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I was kind of surprised about that. I I thought it would be softer, you know, a little softer in there, right. or have a little bit more travel or something. It might not look scale, but I figured you'd have a little bit more travel to go on, on you know grass fields or stuff. And so I, it was really stiff. I was I was quite amazed that how stiff it was. Yeah, but you know, uh, if you go back to the motion one that I have, it it has trailing link gear for pavement and it has straight gear for grass. Yeah, but you know my uh, L thirty nine has the trailing link gear, and it does not have. Uh, it does have trailing gear, but it's for grass or pavement. It doesn't have specific gear for grass. The A ten does. Oh, and the reason I think that it's a little stiffer is because they know that grass has a little bit more of a bounce to it mm-hmm. with those heavier springs. I, I suspect that if you had all the ordnance on that airplane and you know the big battery and it was ready to go that those springs would probably work better on a nice grass runway, a real tight grass runway, as opposed mm-hmm. to this one, um, you know, <laughs> off road. <laughs> and, you know, if you've got all that in there and you come in and you kind of boom, hit the ground like that. Uh, we realized early on when we got our A-10s from motion that if they, if they, if they hit the pavement, they were going to skip, mm-hmm. they were going to bounce 
it was going to come up. You either had to add power or hold it. And it, you know, you're going to cartwheel it or the nose is going to drop. You're going to do something. But if you changed it to those stiff ones, then it came down and just, it just, it just stayed. Cause it was a lot, you know, stiffer spring and you didn't get this bounciness like you did with the trailing link. Cause that's more like a pogo stick. Right. 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 So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was uh, impressed. He said, yep, it was a very easy fix. He said it took him just a few minutes and, um, Unfortunately, he didn't get to fly it then, but yeah, you're right. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to go out with him here, you know, uh, while I'm s- still kind of hanging on before I have to uh, make it my way to Dallas again, uh, and uh, and we can report back. So, yeah. But he did, I will say that he did get to fly the uh, Panther, and that was fun. Yeah, yeah, that that, that worked out well. Yeah. And, and uh, you guys spent a lot of time, uh, you know, giving some stick time for Jim, you know, Last week, not last week's, but two weeks ago, you know, I talked about Jim, you know, trusting his plane. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. all you guys did was not touch and goes, but, you know, it's setting up landings. for landings, just yep. landings. Yep. And you just spent your time landing the plane and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I could definitely see Jim's confidence level come up mm-hmm. um, over the course of time as you were kind of explaining things to him. And that's all you did. You didn't let him do any acrobatics, no real fly. It was up into the pattern, down, you know, downwind. You know, turn base. Okay, this is what you need to be doing. You need to be this high. If you're that, if you're this high, make sure you're doing this. Oh, you got, you know, you have the field. Yeah, right. it, it, it definitely, I could see the progression for him. Yeah. Um, and it, and once again, it's that I keep talking about calibration of the eye. Mm-hmm. And I could, de- I could see the wheels turning. And I could see Jim. He's just, you know, once again, I think another good session with you, or one, you know, another two, three batteries to that that particular plane. Right. I think he's going to get it. Yeah, I think he actually already got it. I think he just needs a little bit more stick time because yeah. he, he understood everything we were talking about, although he did learn a new term. What's that? I was surprised. Well, all through the aviation world, since I fly, you know, at real airplanes for a living, then we talk about the thrust levers, which when I'm talking about a radio, it's the throttle lever, right? Right. So you either have full throttle or idle. Oh, that's it. Yeah, idle. And, and so I told him while we were flying, I said, idle thrust. And he didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And that was my fault because, you know, I, I, I didn't really think in my head when I say, when I'm training someone or I'm talking to someone and I say idle, I just think that the throttle is at idle. But when you're not flying EDFs on a regular basis or turbines, because remember I was flying mm-hmm. turbines just last week and, uh, and we were talking about, you know, oh, thrust to idle. Well, that's something that's very common in the turbine world and in the real aircraft world where in the RC world, it may not be that way. Right. You know, people talk about power or they talk about the throttle forward, throttle back, no throttle, forward throttle. And uh, I just wasn't thinking about it. So he, he made a, a really good observation when he said, I don't understand what that means. You know, what, what is idle thrust? And I thought to myself, Oh, that, that was good. Right. I mean, I, I was really happy with that because he explained to me rather than not saying anything and just guessing, whatever that meant. He, right. he, you know, verbalized, Hey, I don't know what that means. And I was able to go, Oh, okay. So when we came into land, I told him, I said, if you're sitting in an airplane, this is forward thrust. It goes max thrust or takeoff thrust. Then right. it goes to climb thrust. And then it goes to idle thrust. And then in a real airplane, you can go to reverse thrust. Some RC airplanes, I think uh, big Mike has one that can do, do that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> So it, it was interesting for me. And it, it just kind of gave me another, you know, one of those things in my head where, 
before you go out and do something, you know, with a student, make sure that they understand, Stand, right. you know, all Get of that the, terminology right, down. terminology is just so that if I say something, they understand what I'm requiring them to do. So when he understood it after we landed and I kind of walked through what the throttle settings were, he's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. We went around and did it again. And this time, I mean, I, I think he, he was surprised himself, but he just came in and just, I mean, he just greased it on. And I think it surprised him. I think he thought I was doing it, but I, I wasn't. But he, uh, you know, he, he did a really good job. And I, and I think he got uh, a good taste of, um, you know, what the gyro can do because I told him on one of those, you know, hey, pull the thrust to idle or, or go close the throttle. And then when he came around, I, I'd never told him to add throttle. He just kept pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. And the airplane just kind of started coming down and it just kind of plopped onto the ground. And he looks at me and he goes, I was at full back, you know, stick. I had full elevator in there. And I go, yeah, fantastic. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. And I think it surprised him how it just came in and just kind of flattened itself. Right. It didn't do and Well, and we talked about that, you know, last podcast as mm-hmm. well. And that's just trusting your plane yeah. or, and that, or this, the equipment, the gyro, trusting the gyro. Yeah. And the gyro is doing what it's supposed to be doing. So, I mean, he just, he just, uh, you know, everything that the gyro is doing, if it's rocking left and there was a little bit of wind. So the mm-hmm. airplane's kind of rocked left and right. And he felt like he was all over the sticks. But in reality, I don't think he was. I mean, I was watching him, and he mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't really, I mean, I was just holding the trainer switch. He didn't get disoriented once, but uh, it's just because he got so far out. He well, that, it, that, even though that plane's brightly colored, it yeah. does get dark. It, it, it does. does get dark on, on the, in certain situations or with the way the, the clouds are or whatever. Well, he, he got into the tree line. Oh, and then he got below the tree. Like, yeah. he was flying right at the tree lines, and that, yeah. Well, I kept trying to get him to come down, and yeah. he, got, he got turned in, and the airplane rolled the other direction. I think he put a control input where he thought the airplane was going and it went the other way. But he, you know, he just, basically, he, I let him go as far as he could. And finally he goes, yeah, I'm, I, I don't have it. I, you know, it's not doing yeah. what I think it's going to do. And I gave him a couple of seconds or, and I go, okay, well, I got it. <laughs> so, so I came back around, but I gave it right back to him. I just write yeah. righted it. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk a little bit uh, going back to this A-10 because, you know, it kind of a good segue that, the airplane that I was able to write it, this, this safe program uh, that they write into this ASX three does exactly the same thing. Sure does. So a, a lot of times I'm buddy boxing someone and I'm, I'm either holding the trainer switch in this case, or it's uh, I've got it set up on my radio when I do it, that all I have to do is touch the sticks in the airplane's mind. Right. So it works out better for me. And that way I can put my sticks in the neutral position, you know, half throttle here and, and neutral stick. And then uh, I basically, you know, can just sit there with my fingers on it. And then if he gets into trouble or he or she, whoever I'm fine with, all I have to do is either add throttle or take it away or move the stick. And, right. And, so and then you have, you have control. Right. So, so this safe mode, as I was messing with it, because I got the airplane trimmed and then I came down and I thought, okay, well, let me try if I'm going to hand the airplane, you know, hand it over to Jim, let me try the safe mode. So I flipped the switch because he has it on a switch. So I flipped the switch. The airplane kind of, you know, didn't really do anything, but then it was flying kind of on an upwind, right? It was just coming by us going up the runway. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to turn. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was trying to turn, I was turning to the left to kind of make this pattern work, and it wasn't turning, and it wasn't turning, and it didn't turn, and it didn't turn. And then I kind of was like, oh, man, it's not doing what I wanted to do. It's just flying straight and level. <laughs> and I'm thinking – and I was like, okay, this isn't a good thing at all. How do I, and now, and then I have heard in my head, I was like, how do I get this off? You know, because 
I just, I looked down when I flipped the switch, but now I'm watching the airplane go bye-bye and I'm like reaching with my fingers trying to find which switch it's on. Right. And uh, finally found it and uh, flicked it off and then got the airplane. I did a real hard turn, brought it back around. So uh, I tried it again on the downwind. I flipped it on and then uh, I think Jay was uh, talking and then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, this is no good at all. I don't like this mode. I don't like it. And Jay's like, what? What is it? And I go, the safe mode. I said, it doesn't do what I thought it was going to do, right? I thought it was, uh, and, and in my head, I guess I wasn't really thinking safe as recovery. I was thinking safe as in the mode, the first mode, which is a trainer mode, which limits the bank. Right, you won't be able to go over 30 or 45 degrees. Right, bank. That's, that's originally what I was thinking. I did not realize that he had programmed it into the recovery mode. And as a result, you know, we were doing something that wasn't, what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. What I thought it was. And then, and then I think you took it up, you know, you had it climbing and then, uh, at the, at the top of the climb, you kind of, you kind of rolled it a little bit and then you, and then you hit the switch and then it, it righted itself. It did. It and then you itself. went, Oh yeah. yeah. So, and then it oh, made more it sense. Made more sense. And that works great. And then you were like, Oh, I have to flick the switch back off. And now, now I have control. Right. So the switch, it doesn't need to be on a switch per se, but a momentary right. switch, like the trainer momentary switch. Right. And in Jim's case, uh, his trainer switch was being utilized. Right. Cause we're training. Right. So he set it up to be like, Oh, I want Mike to hold it and then I'll fly it and you can hold the trainer switch. Well, that would, that would work. So I think you and I talked about it on the way home. We decided sure. that, if you're flying by yourself with this mode, it may be okay to put it on the trainer switch. Absolutely. But if you're buddy boxing, you don't really need safe mode. Right. Cause you, you, you already have the safe boats. You know, Cause standing I'm standing next right, next right next to you. To you. Right, right. Right. And so, you know, that way, if I let go of it, it's going to write itself cause I'm going to do the writing. Right. But it was kind of fun because once I realized what this would do, I really rang it. I mean, I went up there and just, you know, I started rolling it and I pushed it forward to tumble and then I just, I hit the switch and bam, it just, it righted itself and then just started flying normal. Now, I think if you were headed at the ground at full speed, I don't think it would do anything but right the wings. I don't think it would actually pull out of a dive. Well, we'll just have to try the next time we go out. Yeah, maybe so. We'll have to give it a try. But anyway, I was super excited about it and it was very impressive to me how quickly it recovered. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, I think definitely uh, in Jim's case, it should be if he's flying it by himself. That safe mode should be, you know, on the trainer, on switch. The trainer switch, right? So, um, and, and then I think literally we flew the nitro plane. He uh, broke that out, and we got to go fly that one, and we had he did? fun. That was a longer than a three minute flight. So, <laughs> way, and my arms got way tired. way longer. <laughs> but it, it was pretty fun, and uh, and then uh, I guess right before we left, he uh, he said, "Hey guys, I got a surprise for you." And uh, he handed us uh, the new, I don't know if it's really new, right? But it's That's the newer. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty new. The TX16S. Uh, it's the new Tyrannus, right? And It's uh, a Tyrannus-style radio. TX16S, and uh, it's by Radio Master. He was pretty excited. He said he talked his wife into it. And, uh, if you're watching our YouTube, there's a picture of it right there. And uh, he's handed it to Jay and said, hey, go talk about this. And I think you had all of about mm, an hour on the sticks over here trying to play with it. Well, I was just trying to program it and make sure that the calibration was all done, uh, make sure it had the right sound packs in it, the firmware was up to date, just some basic just basic stuff with the radio. So, um, yeah, it uh, it's pretty neat radio because yeah. uh, the screen is t- it's a touch screen. Um, like, so I have a Tyrannus radio, but there's no touch screen or anything like that in there. So that's neat. You can load pictures of your own models into it. So that's kind of cool. Um, 
you know, it's Bluetooth. It's it's got. I mean, I yeah, I, it's kind of reminds me of the uh, the new NX series from Spectrum. Right, right. Yeah, it's kinda, so I, I haven't really cracked all of what this radio does. Right, you know, I'm just barely playing with it. Jim had given me uh, uh, old quadcopter that we we had mm-hmm. that I'm going to try to program on this as well. Um, I haven't played with the one of the things we talked about with uh, the A10 is uh, to see what telemetry we can get off of that. Oh, yeah, that's right. uh, Off of that particular receiver, and how does it display on this particular radio? So that part, I don't know, but so we may try it. I may try it with one of my planes and see what kind of information we can, you know, get off of that onto here. sure. So, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. The price is nice. Um, Yeah, it's not super expensive compared to others. No, not at all. Um, And just the part that gets me is just all all that you get for this radio. Once again, Mm -hmm. two or three years ago. Yeah. For the cost of my, you know, my six-channel radio here, you're that's getting a true. 16-channel radio. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, pretty amazing. With all the bells and whistles, so and it's got voice, so that was good news. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just love the voice. You, you, I can't live without it. Yeah, well, there you go. Once you get used to it, it's hard to go back. It is hard to go back. <laughs> Very hard, especially for us, and we have so many models. You, you just, uh, I mean, God love Jim. He, uh, he takes the time to write everything down, put it in the model. When I got that Panther, I opened up the thing, put the battery in there, and there was a little card in there, and it said, this is my settings. And uh, he's like, oh, that's for me. And then he went back and flipped his radio to match all that stuff. And I thought, well, that's that's dedication because I'm too lazy. I don't think I could do yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, his old Fataba is not that it's a bad radio or nothing. No. It, it's got, it has everything this radio has in a sense. But, I, you know, for me, you know, I, I get out of, I get my model out, and I'm like, uh, you know, what, what you know, Pretty much, I keep everything the same. The you know, flaps are going to be on the same switch, that type of thing. But you know, yeah, uh, do, do yeah. I have a mix on this particular right, model? Right. Did, I think I put a mix on this. You know, and then I just start flip. I just flip all the switches, right. and then when she starts talking to me, I go, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's on the switch. Yeah. Oh. I do have this mix, and the mix does this." So you know, I guess you want to call it laziness or whatever. <laughs> it's but, not laziness; it's just technology. It's, it's kind of, kind but of, it, I mean, it's so convenient to be able to go. You know, when we have. I don't know how 50, 60, yeah, 70 models. Exactly. You, you tend to forget what you put on one model and all I have to do is just flick all the switches and I can figure out, figure out with a you know quick 30 mm-hmm. seconds what mm-hmm. everything does or did. And, you know, I'm off to the races as opposed to like, you know, like I said, Jim brought out a plane and he's sitting there flipping switches and did that thing move? And I'm, I don't have my glasses and I'm like, uh, I think it did. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, was that supposed to move or was that, that coming Does it usually move it like a millimeter or two or right. does it move? you know, a lot or a, a lot little. or a little, you know, he's like, what? That's funny. So, yeah. Well, we're excited uh, to, you know, play with it some more. Um, we didn't get to play with it as much before this podcast, but uh, Jay's got it for a little bit longer. And I think by the next podcast or two, he'll, uh, he'll he will have been able to kind of mess around with we it. We will. Yeah. Some. Well, uh, in our remaining time, I'd kind of like to talk a little bit about uh, this new uh, mandate from the FAA for this trust test. Yeah, and I, I think they should have picked a, a different name. <laughs> I'm with the government. Trust me. Yeah, Trust. Right. right. And, and, you know, okay, so first of all, um, I got to say that Jay and I are normally 99% of the time on the same page, and we and we are on this one as well. Uh, <laughs> I know he's over here nodding, but what I, what I mean by that is is that rules that go into place uh, are normally for our safety. And if the AMA is suggesting that we take the test, 
Uh, both of us understand the importance of FA or of the AMA and their safety programs, and uh, we do know that this is a mandate from the FAA. So, um, you know, we suggest that you take the test just to to be legal. Now, having said all that, you know, we obviously one of us flips a coin and plays the devil's advocate. Uh, so that we're both on the same page from a safety standpoint, it's always to hear, you know, you always want to hear the second other side of it. So we have a tendency to kind of one of us will take the other side. So having said all that, I have taken the test. I understand all the questions and I've done a little research. However, you know, Jay and I have had this discussion while I've been sitting here, uh, you know, uh, for the 4th of July. And we've talked about you know, kind of the pros and cons of how we feel this is being utilized. So first of all, the, uh, the trust stands for the recreational, uh, users safety test. That's really what it stands for. (laughs) That's a terrible acronym. (laughs) Well, it's just the, you know, I don't know. It's just the, uh, the initials of all those, but anyway, uh, and, and there are 17 places, uh, that you can actually take this test. Uh, everywhere from the FAA website to the AMA website to uh, I think a couple of universities are offering it, uh, a couple other things, um, yeah, a couple other places. But uh, if you if you go to the uh, FAA website for the trust test or you just Google FAA trust test, it'll give you a list of all those. It, it is mandated as of June uh, 2021, so we're already a month into it. I mean, we're coming up on the you know second month. Uh, and then you basically take the test and it will give you uh, a printable certificate. And then you are supposed to carry that certificate with you uh, at all times with your registered aircraft, just on the off chance that you get inspected by some law enforcement or if there is a question. Uh, I think this is supposed to act as a, hey, look, I've, I understand what I'm doing. Here's my piece of paper. Kind of like get out of jail free card, you know, if you're accused of flying in an area where, you know, maybe not someone feels like a law enforcement guy. I can't imagine him knowing every yeah, place. Like there's already a problem there because what law enforcement's going to be like, yeah, you're flying that too high uh, in the sky. And I think that's against FAA rules. And you're going to be like, you, 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 no, what are you, the FAA police? Yeah. I don't know necessarily what? if that's the case as much as someone saying, Hey, you can't fly over here. This is not a designated because we've seen that, right? We, yeah, no, I'm. You've I'm, sent I'm just, me videos of guys that are in the park, sure, and the police show up and say, "Hey, you can't fly in this park." Yeah, and the uh, guy go, and the guy obviously will go, "Yeah, I'm flying well I, below the minimums. Right. I'm flying whatever." And the cops like, "Well, I don't, I, think, don't I don't think you are," and it doesn't matter. You know, they they can't arrest you for flying at that high. If it went to court, they're going to go, well, okay, it's 400 feet. So officer, if I, let's say I was a guy's lawyer, I'd say, well, officer, what device did you use to measure that, the, the height of the, the thing? Can you tell me what, what, what other regulations that are, that the uh, FAA are putting in place or, in, you know, are in place at this time at this altitude at, you know, at a thousand feet for this outside airports. And of course the cop's going to go, I don't know. I, I, have you got any training with the FAA? No. Well, then what were you doing trying to enforce something that you have right. no jurisdiction right. over? Well, and that's kind of the big question, right? Is we don't know whether the law enforcement has jurisdiction over, you know, this portion or not. They're being told, and we see videos on YouTube of law enforcement, local police officers confiscating drones or, you know, talking to individuals who are flying in certain places and saying that you can't fly here. And they're quoting laws 
but they're federally mandated laws. Exactly. And they're local officers who may or may not have, you know, I, I mean, it's one of those things, I guess, is a local, a local law enforcement can say, hey, you're breaking FAR such and such, 107, blah, 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 blah. And he may know that. Okay, well, what what is the recourse for that? If I am truly breaking it, then they would have to solicit the FAA to come out and review what they claim they saw versus what I claim I saw, and it would have to go to a federal court. Right. From what I understand. Now, if you're listening and you think that's different, please comment uh, in our YouTube section below or send us an email uh, or give us a call. Let us know. Sure. But in my, you know, and, and, and I actually have a couple of guys in my field that are lawyers that probably would be able to answer that. But uh, and maybe I'll ask them next time I see them. Uh, but for, for my initial reaction, it's that, okay, well, it's a federal law. They can arrest you for breaking federal law, but the federals, federales basically have to prosecute you for it. So I'm not really sure how that was, how that's going to work. Um, but there are some other things other than the law enforcement side of it. There's some other things that we have talked about that may be a little worrisome. Oh, that's right. Because uh, we're talking about the intrusion of, uh, the uh, uh, stuff that's going to go on the drones that they haven't done the technology for, right? Yeah. So like the in the aircraft world, we call it ADS-B, and right. it's basically uh, an out broadcasting system. And uh, if you're a podcast listener, I'd really like to hear your feedback on this because um, when ADS-B came out, and if you're a pilot, you would know this. Uh, so like if you're a pilot and you fly RC, you should understand. But the FAA came out basically initially with ADSB and said, hey, this is our third generation. You know, this is our next generation. Next generation shows everybody. It's all for safety. Uh, you can see them. They can see you. You transmit data between each other. And we're going to mandate this as of the 31st of December 2019. So the January 1st, 2020, this has to be installed in your airplane or your airplane's grounded. You cannot fly it anymore. So everybody rushed around. They offered some rebates, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but everybody put it in there because the FAA convinced everyone that this would not be punitive. Uh, they would not use it for punitive action against pilots because this was a safety-based operation, not a punitive. So they, right. weren't, they weren't installing it to see if you were flying at the correct altitude and say, oh, you know what? You weren't flying at the correct altitude, so therefore you are going to get violated or you'll get fined or whatever the case may be. What they didn't tell us initially was that this information is instantly made public. So everybody in the public can see my aircraft, what my aircraft's doing, where it's flying, what my altitude, what my airspeed, all the details, lat longs, you name it. Okay. Well, here comes a year later. So we're already, you know, a year and a half into this. And all of a sudden, if you're on the aircraft world, you may have seen some of this stuff, but now we're getting letter, not me, but. Some of the pilots that I stack this no, thick. No, no, I didn't get one. I'm just getting, you know, I, I see because I'm on the web board, you know, a web board or two and, and I know other pilots. And so I get something that says, hey, what do you think of this? And I read it and it's uh, basically from the U.S. Forest Service. And, or, or the parks, or parks National, National, the National Park, park Service. Parks. That's, and the National that's Park Service from. says, hey, dear pilot of this airplane, because it has your tail number. We noticed that you took off out of XYZ and you flew at blah, blah, blah altitude over this particular park on this particular day at this particular time. 
we know that the FAA requires you to be at a such and such altitude. You violated the airspace, either either cease and desist, or you will be prosecuted under the fullness of the law and the attorney general will get involved. Well, this pilot's all freaking out about it because he's like, what, what the heck? You know, it's a chart. It's on the chart that it's a public, you know, uh, park. It's a, um, in our world as a pilot, you need to be at least, it suggests that you fly uh, at least 2,000 feet above the national park. Well, this particular guy was a little lower than that. He wasn't flying like at 100 feet in the park. He right. was flying like at 1,900 right. instead of 2,000. Well, that could be a, a, an error instrument, right? Could be. Because it, you know. It could, he could have been flying trying to look out for the seagulls or look out for some Well, birds. I'm just saying he, that, you know. He could have been. You know, he could have been, he could have been, he could have thought he was at 2000 feet, but he could have been lower because of the pressure, the heat, you know, the altitude, yeah, whatever, the case uh, whatever the, yeah, but it, it could have there's been a lot of aerodynamics. There's a, I could go there's a numerous that, things for him to lose, you know, lose a thousand feet. And, and it's suggested he didn't lose a thousand. It was only several hundred. Okay. Right. But, so from 2000 to like 1700 or 1900. Okay. But I'm just saying he could have been busy doing something that was a little bit more important. Oh, that's correct. You know, he could have varied off his altitude or whatever. He's VFR. He's allowed to do that. Yeah. But. The point that I'm making is that the FAA said, oh, it's not punitive for us. I know. And now all of a but sudden. But now all of a sudden, a fe- another federal agency is using the information, which is now public, to, to bring up a question on this guy's right. you know, ability and, and, to operate. And, I, and, and the reason I was making the suggestions that I was is because, once again, you have the National Park Service, which aren't pilots. No, nothing. Well, they, about, they, they well, have I'm, people that fly. They, I know they them. do. I'm not saying, but I, what I'm saying, their business isn't to be a pilot. No. Or with aviation, right? And they're right. grabbing this information. Right. And now they're saying, hey, you went an inch below, you know, 2,000 feet. Right, right, right. Oh, my gosh. Right. We're going to report you to the FAA. Well, once again, I might have radioed back to the FAA to say, hey, I got so I got the situation. I have to lose some altitude or I have, I, you know, I have this problem. I can't. I can't tell what my altitude is or whatever the, whatever the mishap may be. Right. And all of a sudden you have this other agency that's trying to burn you for something that they, that they know nothing about. Well, that, it, that's my problem. And that's just one instance. Yeah. 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 Cause just, another, another instance that we have, and, and you'll have to excuse this cause this is an RC related per se, but it's kind of driving the point home for what we're looking at right now I know. in this, in this technology that's coming. The second one that uh, came across, you know, my email that kind of concerned me was the was a state, and the state basically sent a letter to a pilot that said, "Hey, we're turning you in for basically tax evasion." And the reason okay. they said that is because we know that on July first through July thirtieth, you took off from this local airport, did a local flight, returned to the local airport, and you did it for thirty days in a row. Now, according to our state charter, if your aircraft sits in our state for more than 30, to day, 30 days, you must register it as an aircraft that's based in this state because you owe registration tax on it, right? Registration of a, a state registration for your aircraft is a tax. Right. So you pay it. To, it says right on the thing because I know I pay it every year. And it just says this is your registration tax. So what they're doing is coming after the pilot because they were able to track him every single time he made a flight inside the state from a local airport to a local airport. He said, I'm only visiting. They said, doesn't matter. The rule is if your aircraft's been here for 30 days, it's now resident of that state. 
So he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Wow. Now, having said all that, putting all that aside, you can kind of see Jay's point on this, because remember, I'm pro, right? <laughs> it doesn't sound like it at the moment, but this has been a discussion back and forth pretty much for the whole time I, I showed up. You know, we talked about it on the way from the airport while we were flying, on the way yep. home from flying, because I had just, you know, I'd taken my test and this has kind of been on my mind. And and so in the short time we have left, it's just kind of reiterating that this trust uh, test and this new technology that comes in, for me, even though I, I've taken it and registered my planes and done everything that I'm supposed to be doing so that I'm not the big example at the end of this, right, that right. the FAA comes after me. But, but for those others and for you bringing up a lot of good points, it doesn't necessarily mean the FAA could be the one but other people, right? So now local law enforcement can basically designate an area like a city park. Okay, well, this city park is not – you can't fly with the city park. Right? right. Well, now they can actually track that. And even though the FAA says, no, this is for safety so that everybody can see, well, another agency. Right. And they're going to be sending out tickets because uh, somebody in their Cessna was flying at, you know, <laughs> flying over at 8,000 feet. And they were like, hey, you flew over our park. Right. Well, not in, yeah, not in the Cessna, but I'm, I'm relating it back but, to the But RC you know what I'm saying. But, right. I'm, I'm being so, facetious. Or, right. You know, but now you have, now you have a RC airplane, which is basically a hobby. Right. And I have a designated airplane, you know, but somebody sitting one block over can pull it up, look at the information and go, wait a second, this guy went 410 feet. And so he can report it or the, you know, the water district who owns that property can report, hey, you know what? He flew over our property by X, Y, Z. And the reason this is concerning when Jay and I were talking about it is because they gave examples on this trust website of a, actually, it's not, it's not examples. It's the, the, what I tell you, it was the app. Right. That app. Yeah. So the app, the, the drone fly app, right? <clears throat> drone zone app. The drone zone app shows latitude and longitude of your particular phone right now. Right. So it says, oh, if this is a fly zone, I can fly here. You download it to your phone and you go, oh, I wonder if I can fly here. Oh, I can. Right. It knows your phone's there. Right. And that technology eventually is going to transfer into your RC airplane. And now they can see a latitude, longitude of your airplane at all times. That, I think, is questionable. Look, it, uh, as much as I've been in the government, work for the government, <laughs> I just don't trust the government. And it's just one of those things. You, you, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And yeah. you, they take something that's supposed to be good. Hey, yeah. planes won't be smacking into each other while they're flying with this technology. And then another agency goes, hey, we could start getting revenue by sending out fines right, right. for this information we're getting from the FAA for pilots flying around or like the, the classic example you just gave, the guy flying, you know, came into the state visit. He's staying for a month with his parents. He's flying around local airports. Next thing you know, he's getting a, a tax bill, mm -hmm. you know, but he lives 2000 miles away. Or he may have a house here during the summertime. Well, but it, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. I'm just saying now you're having all these agencies going, Hey, this, what, there's another revenue stream. There's, there's another way we can get, we can get people for, uh, instead of uh, jaywalking, now we can get them if they're flying their drones and they happen to fly over the, you know, the city post park, office. the post yeah, office, yeah. the, you know, whatever they designate in their town that, that they, they have a, some height restriction on. You know, that or they, just a flyable zone. Like, flyable zone, right. They, like you, know. you can't fly over public or federal buildings. So that includes, by the way, the parking lot. Yeah. So if you came down the sidewalk, 
and you crossed over their driveway, that's right. considered the parking lot. Right. They could say, oh, you flew over a post office. Right. And that's illegal. Right. So, so now whatever, that's the other part too, is that we haven't really discussed that. And the FAA hasn't come out with anything as far as I know. And if somebody knows this, please let me know so I can look it up. But as far as my research and, you know, as far as I've gotten into that research, I haven't seen any fine schedule or any punitive, you know, punitive side it's if coming. you are caught. I, I do coming. know it's coming, but I, I don't know whether you lose your, you know, there, I don't really have a license to fly RC because it's a hobby, but I do have registration. Are they going to confiscate my airplane? Are they going to give me a fine? No, no they won't because this, this, I don't see the fines once again aren't going to be coming from the FAA. They're going to be coming from these other agencies. Yeah, but the other agencies can't really. I mean, why would they find me if it's an FAA if it's an FAA rule? I don't. I I can't really answer that particular thing. I just I just know that somebody they're going to have somebody scheming up in a, a way that they can get ten dollars, twenty dollar fine for from you for doing what you did. Even though if you actually probably took it to court, it would get thrown out. But well, I, I, can, I can tell you just from the flying in the real world or around the world, the FAA only controls the U.S. airspace. I, I understand right? that, but so I, if you I, I'm did just something, at- if you did something elsewhere around the world, that particular agency would have to go to the FAA and say, "Hey, we want to prosecute this guy for breaking our rule," and the FAA would look at it and say, "Hey, it's close enough to our rule that we can understand that." So the FAA would come after you for breaking the rule over there. Yeah. So, so the same would hold true in my eyes to that agency who would say, look, that guy, we have a no fly zone. The guy flew over us. They would have to petition the FAA to do something against the guy. Now, what's the FAA's stance on that? Oh, well, I'm not the one coming after you. Right. Right. I said that I would be no punitive right. and, damage. And, uh, and they're it's not. It's that guy. It's that guy. That guy. That's, that's, that's but because I'm... it's my airspace, I'm the one that's going to leave you the fine. Well, once again, the FAA. Otherwise, I got to tell that guy to just take a hike. Well, once again, you probably could tell that guy to take a hike. But how many? How many? You know, uh, I'm, I'm like just saying, like your brother, I hate you. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like you know, certain traffic laws or speed traps. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, there's a bazillion examples out there where you know they're sending out. Or, oh, I know the uh, the cameras. Oh yeah, yeah, speed cameras. Yeah, the speed cameras are notorious for this, where they're taking you know taking your picture saying that, Hey, your, your car on this date was going 55 miles an hour in a right. 35 mile an hour zone. And you show up in court and go, well, that, that wasn't me in the car. Well, they can't do anything. About they can't that. do anything. Even if it was your wife or whoever it was. Well, do you know who that is? Nope. Well, I'm not going to answer that question. You know, as a matter of fact, I haven't known, I don't know who that person is for at least the, late, the last 28 years. <laughs> But, you know, but my point is, once again, but a lot of people won't go to court. They'll just pay the fine. <laughs> They'll pay the fine. So just imagine if if now these agencies figure out that they can start sending recreational hobbyists, you know, and it starts to be profitable. It's just another revenue stream for them to send you a, a cease and desist letter or, hey, we noticed on this day we got this information from the FAA and we may right, have to report right, this to the FAA right. and you may, you may incur other federal rules unless you go ahead and pay us $25 for you know, yeah, I can see that. You know, once right, again, right. if it gets the court, it's probably going to get thrown out. But most people are going to be like, "Oh, I'm just going to nah, pay the twenty five dollars and not go through the hassle yeah. of getting this on my record, whatever what record you're going to get it on." You know that I, it's it's just another hassle from the man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's all I see coming from this. No good can come from this. <laughs> okay, 
Well, having said all that, remember this is a podcast. It's our personal opinions. We're not, you know, talking on behalf of the FA or the AMA. And I know that they just had a podcast that came out that told you all about the trust and how you know they yeah, have to yeah. support it. No, and, I and we are supportive as well because if it's a safety related, we support the safety related. And and I know that you know it's a mandate. So like I said, we like I know, said, I'm not against the FAA. I just see other agencies, yeah. like you just said. I just see other agencies going whoa. Hey, maybe we can make money doing this. Hey, yeah, maybe maybe, so. maybe this. You never you know. know. So I, I don't know. I just hope it, I hope that doesn't happen. But I can I can see it happening just because of the you know cynicism yeah. in me. Yeah. I guess. Well, that's good. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, the good news is that you're welcome to comment back to us. Uh, jump on our YouTube channel at the Park Fire Podcast and uh, or go on our web uh, our Facebook page actually at the Park Fire Podcast Listeners Group. Join if you haven't already and post your comments. Uh, we'd love to hear them. Uh, like I said, we, you know, this is just our discussion. Uh, we, we totally understand that the AMA is uh, requesting all of us do it. And as AMA members, uh, you know, taking our tests. So uh, register your airplanes, you know, do everything you're supposed to be doing. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have an opinion on how things are going. But let's do the right thing. So I, I don't want to fall back into that trap where we get done and then somebody goes, wow, you guys were way against that, you know, and you'll never, evidently, if they don't do it, we don't want to do it either. But. Uh, I, we follow the rules, and you know, we just sometimes we don't like them. So, uh, or we have an opinion. on No, them. we don't like them. <laughs> don't, I'm not a rule guy. Just, yeah, Jay, Jay's not a rule guy. But, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit different because I play, you know, in that whole rule game, and it's familiar to me from a, you know standpoint of working. So, uh, Jay, on the other hand, is just this true hobbyist. He's like, I'm out. So, well, unfortunately, our uh, hour is up. It uh, has been great to be here in uh, Texas. I'm looking forward to uh, actually flew in, did a bunch of stuff, and uh, we're kind of doing a podcast real quick. And then we're going to go out again tomorrow, I think, while I'm still here and hopefully fly or at least uh, hook up with Jim and the rest of those guys. So um, anyway, well, uh, I'm excited. I am too, especially, uh, you know, with the 24 hours or so I have with you, I'm going to do as much as we can. Yeah. Um, whether we're here or we're off doing something else, because mm-hmm. our, our other buddy Tom's still here. So. Yeah, that's true. He's here. Yeah, so we're. <laughs> I think I'm surprised. That was a great surprise for both. They were. He was like, "Hey, you know," because we haven't seen each other in a while either. So it was good. Good for us to get together. And, and uh, unfortunately, our wives are all in separate places. So uh, it's you know we we got well to they get a, they get a vacation today. So yeah, they did. Yeah, so they got one quick, too. You know, so and uh, I'm off uh, somewhere overseas. So. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks um, uh, from Michael here in Texas. And <laughs> Jay from the hills of Texas. We'll see you in two weeks. See you, everybody. Let's Bye-bye. fly. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.